Okay, good morning everyone. We are on the bottom of Gimel Ahmed Bey's 3B. Uh, the last line. Okay. And um, we um trying to figure out how they dated uh, which year they wrote on the documents. And uh, we said that there's always a mitzvah or, or it's proper to date them by the year of the reign of the king. And there were times that they were Jewish kings and we were living in Israel, and then there were times that there were Gentile kings. And we said that the Jewish kings, uh, we counted from Nisan, the birth of the Jewish people, and the Gentile kings generally were counted from Tishrei, the birth of the world, the creation of the world. So the problem was that we found a Gentile king uh, who was being counted from uh, Nisan. So we said, well, that was different because he was a good Gentile king. Um, that was Darius. Uh, he actually had three names. It's, it's confusing that a king has three names, at least to us. But um, actually, I was pointing out that the, the kings have many titles. They have many different, uh, even modern kings, they have, you know, the, um, uh, they have multiple titles. But the Gemara said that Karish, Daryavish, and Arkashasta were all the same fellow, all the same person. And so, um, since he was a good king, he was counted from Nisan, like a Jewish king. But then the Gemara proved that uh, later on, they started counting the years in the Gentile way. So what happened? So the Gemara said that he turned sour, meaning that he started out a good king, and then he ended up being a bad king. So when he was a good king, he was counted like just one of our buddies, one of the Jewish kings. And um, there is a Tosis here that's trying to figure out if Darius was the son of Esther. If you look at this second Tosis on Gimel Amid Beis, 3b, it says, Hu hayu Darius ben Esther, shebana beis amigdash biyamov. That's what he wants to say, that this Darius was a good, he actually was a Jewish king. Right, that's just interesting. But Tosa does says it might be a different one. They, they used the same names, and the kids had the names of the fathers, and they were multiple generations. It was very confusing. Oh, boy, it's interesting. We have nobody virtual today. I guess you miss one day, and, and that's it. Either that or it's too early. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I'm, if I miss the number, but I think I got the right one. ZFXPC. Okay. So anyways, he, he, he went sour. Originally he was good, and he went sour. So meaning, the, the word hikmitz, it's, a, it's a, the word you have bread, or matzah, that's matzah, that has no chametz, and then it starts to rise, which means something happens that changes. And so too, a king also can become chametz, so to speak. He can rise and become bad. Um, the truth is, I was saying, oh, here we go. You have politicians like that. We like to think they're either all good or all bad. Sometimes they're okay for a certain amount of time, and then they turn into chavits. <laughs> they're all bad, right, right. So, uh, question, when they, when they name when they, uh, when they document based on the king's reign, is that only from the first based on the history? Or is it after? I know there are some kings afterwards. Uh, uh, do, they, do they use those Jewish kings, or are they kind of tainted by that, that point? That's a good... They're asking by by Shani, by the Hashmanoim. I'm assuming they kept it going, even by Vayashen, that's what I'm assuming. Um, 
And so, uh, so that's the that's what the Gemara said that this particular king, uh, this Persian king, and again, Tosa said it might have been the uh, the son of Esther. Uh, even if it was the son of Esther, he wouldn't have known that he uh, that he would have been raised as a Persian. Uh, the 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 queen and the harem would have very little influence over the uh, the the king royal. But uh, at any rate. So uh, the Gemara, though, Maskivle Rivkana on the last line on three B, Umi Hikmitz, is it true that he was a rotten apple at the end of his life, that he turned sour? Vaksif, uh, don't we have the following verse? So uh, this was this same king, and he gave the following instructions. Uh, we talked about how he sent Nehemiah to see the situation, and uh, he actually sent. He said, Uma Chashkan. He said. Uh, I will pay for your needs, and I will give you whatever you desire. Oh, you want b'nai Torah, and you need some turtle doves, and dikrin, and you need lambs, you need goats, uh, to offer to the God of the heavens, chanatin, melech, um, salt, whatever good stuff you need, chamor, wine, umashkach, kamaymer, kanibishalayim. Dehud misavilam yom biyom. So, what do you see? Uh, how can you say he was a bad king? You see that he was quite generous. He, he not, only did, not only did he help them with the rebuilding, he actually provided the daily needs of the Kohanim in the base of Mikdush. That's pretty good. So, how do you call him a rotten apple? Rashi Uma Cheshkin, top Rashi on the page on Dalit Amaral, Klomer. Whatever your Kohanim need, I'll pay for it. That doesn't sound like a king that went sour, so why do we change and start counting him like a pagan king? Matunach is an interesting expression. It means from the same verse that you're bringing, uh, from the same verse that you're bringing, we, I can show you why he went sour. Let's see, Rashi he explains that term. It's good to know this, right? Because this actually comes up in a few places. Bematunach, from your burden, from your load. In other words, that word means from the same place that you're trying to say, oh, look how generous he was. He was a good king. He gave the Quran and whatever he wanted. I can answer your question from your load. From your burden, that you are throwing at us to ask a question, to prove, I can, I can answer it from there. Look at what it says over there in the end of that verse. So I, I didn't read the whole verse. Uh, we're going to quote it shortly. But after he said, why did he want the Kohanim to have whatever they want? He said, because you will offer offerings for me, umatzilin, and they will save the, they will protect the life of the king, l'chayim malka, lamda shalolashem shemayim asakim lahanasa. This was bribery. I'm going to give the Jewish God, he, he saw, they all knew about Hananiah, Meshav, Vazarya, and they knew the miracles of the Jewish God. He said, you know what, I'm going to pay for it, and then God owes me one. So he wasn't such a good he was just smart. He knew that the Jewish king was real. You give him money, you, you give the kokofurbanos, and then, uh, but that still doesn't make him a good guy. That just means he was, uh, he figured out that Hashem is powerful. Let's read the word. Rabbi 
Yes, the Gemara is going to ask that. Very good, very good. Okay. So, Omerlo, Rebid, what's interesting, what you're asking, Richard, is an important thing. Sometimes there are things that are nuanced, that if they're done in one way, they're a mitzvah and they're appropriate. And then if they're done another, an example of that would be like Torah Shalom Lishma, you know, like, and sometimes it says if you're not learning for the right reason, you you balishma, you can come to learning for so do it anyway. And then there's a like a shalolishma that if you it's like on the other on the other side it's off the so there are certain things that are just nuanced. So, but let's see, the matunak. Let's read Omerlo Rebbe Yitzchak Rebbe, the matunak. From where you're asking, I can show you that he did go sour. Why? From these things that I am giving you, you will offer for a good smell, lalokei shamaya, to the God of the heavens. It's interesting, they called, they, they had the God of the earth, they had all kinds of, they, but they called Hashem the God of the heavens. Umatzilin, and he will, uh, they will pray, lechaye uh, malka, for the life of the king, benoi, for my sons. Uh, and that's, uh, that's why he did it. And so he was really not doing it as a mitzvah, he was doing it, he was hedging his bets. I'll, I'll, I'll have the, you know, I'll bribe the God of the Jews and then everything will be fine. So then the Gemara has Richard's question, just because he expects a payback, isn't that, is that not good? We learned the following, a person says, I'm going to give to charity in order that my sick child will live. Or in order that I get a big reward, there's nothing wrong with giving for uh, just give, <laughs> and if you want to pay back, that's no problem. You can say to Hashem, "I'm giving this stucca in the merit that my child should get better, or in the merit that I should get the world to come." So the Gemara answer Answer number one is that it depends when a Jew gives. Shalolishma, not for a good reason, uh, for and has uh, strings attached. That's a good thing. When a Gentile gives with strings attached, it's not a good thing. Why? Let's see. Rashi, Kambi Israel. When a Jew attaches a condition, he doesn't complain if he doesn't get what he wants. Meaning that he knows that just because he gives the money in order that this Hashem will do this, he knows that at the end of the day, it's up to Hashem. Whereas if a Gentile gives money to Staka and he doesn't get what he wanted from it, he's going to regret it. Let's see, Rashi Khan be Yisrael. Shali Bulo Shamayim. He has he really wants to do Sadaqah. And if it turns out bad for him, Ainu Karli, he's not going to complain. Ella Toli Yisurim Bavona, he said, I must have done something wrong. But a pagan, if he doesn't get what he wants, He's going to complain. So, therefore, you don't see that uh, it's true he gave charity, but there were strings attached. And uh, if he didn't get what he wanted, it wasn't really... See, when you're actually... When you give tzedakah and it's a payment, it's not real tzedakah. A Jew really gives tzedakah. He would like that his son gets better. He would like to have the world to come. But it's not, it's not really a string attached. Let's see... Tosus, a little bit of a shocking tosus here. Top tosus, the shiyoshiyakamini. So, uh, uh, so we're saying. Let's just repeat what we're saying. We're saying that it's perfectly legit to do a mitzvah in order to ask Hashem something back for reward for that mitzvah. But 
as long as you don't complain, if you don't get it, it's fine. That's basically what the Gemara is saying. So, but it's not fair comments. For a Jewish person. For a Jewish person, right. Uh, even a Gentile, the, the problem is the nature of the Gentile is he doesn't give it in that way. He's giving it for payback, and therefore he really is not giving it uh, 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 altruistically. I see, I see. So it's not even applicable to a non-Jew. That's right. That was the first answer. We're going to see other answers. You don't have to like that answer because there's other ones. <laughs> but let's see Tosot. It says, don't do it. Shalom Lishma. So he answers, Hainu Olam. That that's only for the Goyim. The Goyim uh, they shouldn't do uh, for reward. Because Shitoyal Rishonas, if they don't get if they don't get the reward, they are gonna regret it and they're gonna want their money back. And uh, good luck in getting the money back once you give it, right? So um, but for us to do it for reward is perfectly legit. It's perfectly fine. Um, it, it comes out that you can serve Hashem like this Tosus for reward. Of course, I'm serving Hashem. I want to get, I want to get a front row seat in the world to come, and I want all that wealth, and I want all the good things that will happen. And I'm only doing it because I expect that big reward. Um, as long as, as if it doesn't work out, you don't complain, then uh, it's okay. It's a little different than we're used to thinking. You would say that you're doing it l'shem shemayim. But it sounds like as long as it's okay to want the reward, that's, that's what I would say from Tosas, which is a little bit, I think everybody who wants the reward, uh, but how much should a person focus on, well, I, I would do it even if there isn't a reward. No, I think there'll be a reward. That's a, that's a good reason to do it. Uh, I might blow it and uh, I, I might have to take away from uh, the reward I was supposed to get because I'll be punished for that. That may be, but uh, I, it's okay if you want a reward. All right, whatever, it's just it interesting. Also be the, also be the, the difference is that a Jew looks at things and says, right, you give tzedakah and you will request, but Hashem could say no. And we recognize that Hashem could say no too, or, or it's not the right time. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hashem will answer you at a later time. It's a way, it's a different outlook on life. I mean, you're saying that the non-Jew will say, um, I, you know, I, I asked for this, it didn't happen, so I'm, I have my problems with the God of Israel. Mm-hmm. As opposed to a Jew who realizes and says, Maybe it's not the right time. Maybe there's a reason why Hashem knows better than I do. I may want A, but maybe B is better for me. Very good. Very. Mm-hmm. I was thinking along what you're saying, uh, when a person, Lo'oleinu, has a loss, what do they say? They say, Boruch Dayanemis. You know, no complaints against God. That's the most important thing. Like, that's a... We emphasize that. A person has a terrible thing. They lose their relative. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining against the truthful judge. Hashem has... That's the, we accept the will of Hashem. That's an important part of our service. Um, it's just interesting, though, that uh, the question is, is it wrong to want a reward? Uh, so you might learn, don't serve Hashem for the reward. He's saying, don't serve him from the reward if you'll have a complaint if you don't get it. But as long as you have no complaints, you can hope to get the reward. That, that, that's, that's what I was saying is, is interesting. Okay. Anyways, that's answer number one. Answer number two. And again, our famous rule that if they gave other answers, it means that not everybody liked this answer. Does it make them wicked? Does it make them wicked if they gave Sadaka? I guess. Well, the the Gemara was trying to prove that he was still good if he was if he was taking care of the Kohanim, and we're saying that since it was uh, only in order to benefit his kingdom, it doesn't show that he didn't go sour. Okay, that's answer number one. Is this where we pick up the different levels, different rungs of Sadaka? Is it is it all brought down from this little? 
Um, I'd have to research that. Oh, I'm not yeah. sure. It's oh, possible. Yeah. It's possible you see Maybe. some of that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Eboy say ma if you want Manolan de Ikmas. There's a different place where you see he went sour. And that was the following. It said, So uh, in addition to providing the daily needs of the Kohanim, he also gave the building fund. And uh, the building fund, he said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he gave, uh, so he sent uh, stones and he also sent wood. But now it's in why would he send wood? Why would he insist on donating wood? It was a stone building. It was a brick building. Why was he donating wood? So the answer is, Savar, he said, If the Jews rebel, I'll burn it down. So you see, he was, he was uh, not so good. <laughs> it, that's right. He was hedging his bets. And so, therefore, it, he, we, he doesn't get counted as a Jewish king in the end. They saw that he... You know, he deliberately put in wood so he could destroy the base of Migdash at will and burn it when he needed to. And was the wood donated? He donated the wood? He donated and insisted that they build wood. Right, that's right. So it was nice that he donated it, but he gave flammable material. Um, Some of the question is like, you know, the U.S. gives all this military aid to Israel. So it used to be they did it because they tested it out against the Soviets. They had, it was cheaper than... uh, you know, blowing up fake submarine, you know, fake tanks in the desert, they would have the Israelis try out the new equipment and uh, the Jews would be the Gideon. So it was really a worthwhile military investment. Uh, but uh, then when the Jews needed bullets and, uh, you know, in the Yom Kippur War, they said, what, you know, we're not going to reload, you know, uh, give you the uh, maintenance. Um, really, when you look at it, that's what happened in Afghanistan. Once you don't service a modern equipment, it's, it's not worth very much because of break. You, you need to be able to constantly keep it running and fixed and have the parts. Otherwise, it's very, uh, all the money goes to waste. And so it's, uh, it, so almost, it's almost like they give Israel all this military stuff, but it comes with a lot of strings attached. Uh, and uh, it's okay. They're doing it to help them, to help the military and the, you know, the, uh, I'm just saying that, that all gifts that, uh, are not necessary for the sake of heaven, <laughs> even though the Jewish supporters do it for the sake of heaven. But that's that answer, that he, 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 had a, he was going to burn it down if he needed to. So then the Gemara says, you mean that... would be an incredible novelty. If they decided to give aid to Israel, knowing that Am Yisrael is, is like, we're uh, God's people kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. That would be, that'd be an incredible novelty. Right, right, Gemara. that's right, that's right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm not, not yeah. going to hold my breath. Yeah, so the more of those questions, though, it sounds like they really, uh, there, there wasn't supposed to be wood in the building, but that was done as a way to sabotage and control. In other words, he gave the gift in order that he would have control over the Jewish people. So then the Gemara says, Atu Shlomo But King Solomon did the same thing. Uh, the Baksim, Shlomo Tori Gozis, he used hewn stone. Matur Karsis, I'm sorry, hewn rock, Vitur Karsit, and also cedars. Shlomo Evid. Um, so you see Shlomo Melech, when he built it, also built wood. So what, what are you picking on this Persian emperor for building wood? Shlomo also, wood is very good in building. So the Gemara gives three answers. Shlomo Evid Memala. He made the wood on top. The Ihu Evid Memati. He made it underneath. So that if you burn, it would knock the building down. Shlomo Shaka Bibinyano. Shlomo had the wood as part of the building. He didn't really 
build it in that way. Shlomo Sadya Besidya, he had the wood covered in lime and other stuff. Ihulo Sadya Besidya. So it's true some wood was used, but the wood that Shlomo used was fire safety. Uh, it was done in a way that wouldn't um, expose the building, whereas the Persian king, he did not. Omer of Yosemite, Tamer of Yitzhak, Manoan de Ikhmet. Those were just, uh, so again, that was some discussion, but he has a different source. How do you know that this Persian emperor was really bad, that he went sour, and at the end of his reign, I mean, he was emperor for 35 years, 36 years, I think, later before. So he says, Mehalcha from here. And he, the king said to me, um, and we quoted this earlier, this was when Nehemiah uh, requested that he be sent there to, to rebuild the city. So it said the king and Hashegel, and uh, the Shegel that was next to Yosheves Etzel. So the king and uh, the, the, what they would call the royal consort was next to him. Uh, so normally that's the queen. But it used a funny word, it didn't say Malka. It said Shegel. So, and the, the, what is Shegel? What does that word mean? Why didn't they call her the queen? So, Amarav Barley, Mishmei Derav, Kalvasa. It was his dog. And that dog was the royal consort. So, you see, he was a pretty, um, we, that's, uh, that's considered bad for a pagan to be so immoral that he, his royal consort's a dog. So, uh, and who was the queen? Yeah. So um, there is. I thought at the bottom of the other topic, you're talking about that the, the queen was the dog. They called the queen the dog. That could be, but this answer is saying that no, it was the. Uh, there's different answers. Uh, why? Why it mentions it? There is a Rashi here, Kalbasa, Lemishkov. The purpose of the dog. Now Rashi's wondering what's wrong with the dog. I mean, maybe he was a dog lover. There are people that you know they have their dog sitting next to them. That's where they want it. I, I, I've gone to big companies where they'll have the head of the company will have their dog in work, you know, in their first time I saw that I was shocked. Why? Well, he's the boss. He can do what he wants. <laughs> but his dog has, has a place in the office, you know, that's, the, that's what he wants. But Rashi, uh, here he says, no, this dog, the purpose of the dog was for lying with the dog. So you might ask, well, he's a pagan. What do you expect? No, we expect better from the Noahites. How did, where did the Torah God say that they can't have bestiality? Because it says they will, when they have relations, they become one. That's, uh, the, that's only human relations. If a person has relations with an animal, they don't become one flesh. They don't give birth. It's not a normal, uh, it's, it's not considered reasonable for them to have relations with uh, animals. That's yeah. why he had the dog? That was the reason? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So that's, so you see, he wasn't such a good character. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's exactly his I answer. They, I thought they have, you know, they have breeds where they're lap dogs. Uh-huh. And they use them for warmth. The king used to have them, I forgot the breed name. No, so that was the reason he did. When you think about it, that's, um, the modern terminology, B-I-T-C-H, is, is that, that reference is uh, a dog. That they're, they're, they're basically saying that, um, uh, when somebody um, uh, when somebody sees relations, it's it, uh, whatever. That's just not a nice term. It's a very uh, low life kind of thing. So where it says elamiata, uh, but there is a pusik. Um, this is a pusik in Daniel. So we're saying now that the word shegel doesn't mean queen. It means this dog. 
So this Pasuk is in Messianic, uh, well, this Pasuk is, um, let's read the Pasuk. God picked up the emperor uh, uh, to uh, high position. This was when Daniel was complaining to Belshazzar uh, what happened, and he, uh, that Belshazzar was going to lose the kingdom, and he was punished because he drank out of the temple vessels. He brought out the, the vessels from the base of Migdash. And he says, God lifted you up. I mean, you weren't destined to be the emperor and you were given this position. And Kadva Anava Rabu you and your um uh and your officers, your generals, and Shagalasekha and your Shegels. So you if you learn it means your queens, okay. You drank wine out of these divine vessels. The e shegel kabasa, and if the word shegel means a dog, if it means queen, so that you you let your queens in your harem drink wine from temple vessels. But if it's kabasa, kabasa bash mishti kamra, uh, does the dogs drink wine uh, from cups and from the? Uh, how could it mean dogs? You see from that verse, it says shegel. It says they drink wine. The more is not impressed with that. Hello, Kasha. De You can teach a dog to drink wine. That's a good trick to teach it how to drink out of the. And they, by the way, I be, they believe that they didn't drink out of a cup. They drank out of a bowl. They were they were known for drinking large amounts. It was like the soup bowl. You know, it was like a, so. It'd be easier for a dog to drink out of if they wanted. So that so they took the the, 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 the vessels were taken out of. Well, they were they were brought to Bavel, but he took them out of storage and brought them to the banquet, and oh, uh, and they allowed the masses to drink from them in a drunken uh, party. So it wasn't like the dog was in the temple. No. no. So um, so we still able to explain the word shegel means dog. I how do we explain that verse that he gave the dog to drink? He said no problem if you have got a good dog trainer. Uh, I don't know if dogs would naturally... Do you have to train them to drink wine, or is it the training to drink out of the cup? Um, either way, he's saying a dog will end up drinking if you... Um, uh, I know dogs eat anything. I don't know if they drink anything or not. I don't, I don't think they're very selective in, in vegan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he says to Malafile, if you, uh, if, you, if you get it accustomed to it, it'll drink it. Okay. So the more still is a little... wants to... The question is that what really what a shegel means is, is a dog. Uh, there's a pasuk like this in messianic times. It says, "Benos malachim, the the queens, the princesses will come. The 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 good people of the nations of the world will be privileged to serve the Jewish people, and it, it usually the princesses are haughty, and they uh, other people have to serve them. And the pasuk is saying in messianic times." Uh, the princesses will come and uh, be like the maids in the Jewish houses. And will even have their dogs there. The Kesem Ofer together with the jewels. Now, if this is referring to the consorts, the dog consorts of the pagan kings, why would the, what would we be doing with them? Why would that help us? In other words, if it's saying that the queens and the princesses will now turn into our servants and be waiting on us, so fine. But if it refers to the royal dogs, why would we, uh, what's the Navi saying? Why is he mentioning, like, what is, what are they even doing there in that picture of the world to come? So the more answers, 
He says the Torah is as beloved to the Jewish people as the um, as the uh, as the sleep dog for the pagans. There you will merit the uh, the valuable jewels. In other words, it's not saying that the Jewish people want this dog. It's saying these dogs were precious to the uh, uh, the pagans. So just the, it's saying that the Torah and the mitzvahs are precious to us like the, uh, this dog was to the pagans. That's how hot up it is. Yeah. Or really, really, Shegel is the queen. Verava, Barlema, Gemara, Gemiri. And uh, how did he know that... Um, that one particular, usually the Shegel was the queen, and that particular king, his queen was a dog. In other words, uh, really the word Shegel itself is just the royal consort. And he had a tradition that that particular king, his consort was the dog. But Rabbi Barlemi Gemara he just, he had a tradition that way. So why would they, then why is it called the Shegel? Um, why would they, why wouldn't it be called the dog? if his concert was a dog, and the Torah should say that. The answer was, he treated that dog like the queen. Or he let the dog sit on the queen's throne. In other words, usually next the chair next to the king was reserved for the queen. This particular emperor, he had his dog sitting on that chair. Or Yiboisema, um, I, I, you know, there are dog owners where their dog is the queen. <laughs> you know, that's the, that gets the best treatment. Eboy uh, Seymour, just seeing uh, Halloween costumes for dogs, you know, they're advertised. You know, oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I, I wasn't aware of that, that, that they go to that extreme. Yeah. Eboy Seymour, or if you want, uh, let's go back. If you don't want to, if, you, if this idea, it's, so again, it's a little controversial because the word shegel is used by other other kings, and it sounded like they were regular queens rather than just the dog. So um, there's another answer to prove he went sour. That's from the family. Mehachat says, This is the list of the donations. This much silver, this much wheat. A hundred and this much salt. So... He says, Mekora, originally when he sent aid below Kitsusa, it wasn't limited. Now, it, later on in life, he only gave a limited amount. So you see, he wasn't as good as he was in the beginning. The Morris says, Well, maybe initially he didn't know how much was needed. And now he's giving because he knows the amount. How does that prove he went sour? The Morris said, You're right, it doesn't prove he went sour. Mikavarta must be one of the other reasons. That he went sour, conditioning like we said before. Okay, fine. Moving along, back to the discussion. So now we're finally at the uh, second reason, uh, second thing that we count Nisan, uh, of the year of Nisan, for the festivals. Uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So, regardless, um, so yeah, because we had said that we count uh, Nisan for the Jewish kings, and so we got off subject of uh, the Jewish kings and the Gentile kings, and when do they count Nisan? But we said also that it's used for the festivals. Now, first of all, it's not the first of Nisan, but the first holiday is the 15th. Pesach's in the middle of the month. 
So Amrav Kista Regushabo Rosh Hashanah Leregolim, he says it means the holiday that's in Nisan. That's the beginning of the holidays. Now, what difference does it make which holiday is first? I mean, it's nice to call it first, but what's the difference halakhically? Why, if it's in the Mishnah, there must be halakhic ramifications. So the more answer, nafkamina lenoder. If somebody promised to bring a sacrifice, there's a verse in the Torah that says, "Don't delay." So the question is, uh, we're going to see now what's officially called a delay. When will a person have been considered late payment of his offerings? So Rishimini, and it goes like Rishimini Tanya, He says whether you're donating an offering or you donate something or you donate the value. Once three holidays have passed, over Baltacher. Three times you go up, that's the time to make the payment. And if you don't by then, a person will have sinned. So he thinks he's being generous, but if he ends up not keeping his pledge, he's actually sinning. So, um, Rav Shimon Omer, Gimur Gom Kisidrin. It's got to be the three holidays in order. So if he makes the pledge in the middle of the year, he gets to go through three, he gets like a year and a half. The Pesach has to be first. The Kena Rishim and Yochai Omer Golim Pamim Gimel, sometimes it's three, Pamim Daos, sometimes it's four, and Pamim Chamisha, sometimes it's five. Ketzah. If he promised to give it before Pesach, so then it's just three. Before Shavuos, so then we don't start counting until we have Pesach again, Chamisha. If it's in four circuits, it's four. If a person is obligated to give money or to give a person's value or to give to the Kohen Fund or to give to Hegdish or to give a chatos or ashram we're going through all the obligations a Jew may have. Uh, before we turn the page, <coughs> it has the word tzedakos here, which makes it sound like a person, if he delays giving tzedakah, promises to give tzedakah, uh, that he also might be over baltacher. Usually we only think of baltacher as like an offering. Here we're seeing that even it could be uh, that uh, if he doesn't give tzedakah... Who benefits? You mean the shlamim for tzedakah? No, no, no. The each one's a separate category. Yeah. He prom- I'm going to give a peace offering. And, so, and he, he never gets around to doing it. So, uh, again, we've learned, uh, because today, Baruch Hashem, our generation, we almost always say belinetter. You know, so we're, we're not binding ourselves and then being guilty of not doing what we promised. At Pesach, as we turn the page, Lecha Shikupeya, or the various things that you give. If a person delays three holidays over Baltacher, they're guilty of, of sinning, of delaying, of, of being late, late payment. Rishimin says, He says the three holidays have to be in the order. And Pesach is first. Rameir says, He says one holiday that is, is late. Because uh, the holiday, you go up, make your payment right away. He says, you missed the first opportunity, you blew it. Uh, he says two over Baltacher. So we really have one, two, and three, by the way. And then we have three in the right order, which is even more. He says, if Sukkot passes over Baltacher. So this is a multiple argument about when the penalty phase for not paying on time kicks in, or for not giving the donation in time. So now let's maybe, begin. Maybe uh, over a Baltacher, but 
Correct. Yeah. It doesn't mean he doesn't have to pay. Is there a or a penalty if you miss? So usually when a person does a lav, they get whipped. But this lav doesn't have an action. In other words, his sin is not paying. So there's no action involved, so we can't give him a whipping for not paying. Um, Charging double. Right, right. That's right. Today they charge interest. Is there a financial loss? Like if you promised the extra money to pay a certain extra percentage? Not that I'm aware of. Um, it's possible that a particular group can decide, but the Torah, when the Torah says do not, you know, do not delay, so it turns out he's the delayer. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know if there's an actual penalty. So my time at it, but it's 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 enough that a person thought he was doing something good, and then instead he's getting people angry at him because he pledged and he promised and he never came through. So let's go through where the different opinions came from. My time at Tanakama. What's the reason of the first view? He says, Mikti, let's see. Minayu Salak. We were, we were talking about the three holidays. That's so. If you look at that verse, it's repetitive. We, it, the verses went through the holidays. It repeats it to tell you that this is if a person goes through the holiday cycle without giving, then he's guilty. Rishimin Omar. I wonder, by the way, also, what if he doesn't have the money? He, he, he loses the money. Is this only if he could have paid and he didn't? Or the bottom line was he promised and he didn't keep his promise. I, I'm not answering that. I'm just throwing that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, how does he learn? Yeah, are there any excuses? I don't know. So Rav says, It didn't need to mention Sukkot Shabbat because that's what it was referring. Sukkot is last. That's the Rav Meir, my time, it says, you come there and you bring there. Um, uh, so how do you see it from there? Uh, let's see the Rashi. Rav Meir, Omer even to Omer Rahmana I see it says, bring it right away. That's telling you to bring it. Delay is a delay, uh, and you get Baltacher right away. It, uh, any delay is a delay. You said, I'm going to bring it, and you had a holiday when you went up, and you went up, and you didn't pay. So that's a delay. So he says immediately, he says, because it says, you will come there and bring. And you came and you didn't bring. Rabbanan, he says, Hula say. That's just a positive command. That's not a negative. That's not a delay. That's just telling you bring. But it's not a delay. It's not saying if you don't bring, you're late. Rameir Kiva to Omerle Rahman, I see. If God tells you to bring, below I see, and you don't bring, then you're late. So that's this discussion about uh, delay and missing one holiday. For Lozaman Yaakov, my time, how does he know? It says holidays. The minimum is two. So he says you miss two holidays, that's when the penalty kicks in. He says that's for a different thing. That's for the teaching of Rav Yona. What did Rav Yona teach? The Torah is comparing all holidays. That in addition to the holiday, they purify. They purify from the... There's always some impurity. When you have thousands of Jews going up to Beis Amikdash, some of them were impure. This uh, helps atone for that. Uh, the, basically, Tumah uh, is the idea that it's something that distances us from holiness. 
And so we need always to have an atonement for those things that keep us from being close to God. And that's really what happens at a holiday is we like we come close to Hashem again. And so whatever happened in between that we had any kind of tumah, anything that's, uh, uh, there's a physical tumah, you know, death and creepies and all that, and then there's a spiritual tumah. So there's the idea that each of the holidays we remove whatever tumah blocked us from. And there is a famous minig to, uh, to go to the mikveh before the holidays. It's the same idea that we want to go back to that close ro- relationship with the Shekhinah. For Lazarus Rishim in my time and time, for Lazarus what's his reason? Lo Yomar Chag Sukkah. Didn't need to mention Sukkah Shabbat because that's what that was the previous thing. Lama Namish is that Gorav, it's the Chag that does it. It's interesting what the power of a given holiday. He holds the Sukkah is the kicker. Remeir Lazarus and Yaakov Haiba Chagamatsaka Shuas Chag Sukkah, my Dorshbet. What Russian do the other rabbis who don't say it's a three? Again, the rabbi that says that you get three holidays, that's why he repeats it. But according to the other views, that you don't get three holidays, why does it repeat it? What do they use that teaching for? The answer is, they use it for the teaching of Rebbe Lazar. They use it for a different teaching. And that is that there's what's called Tashlumen, that they give you a few days to bring your offering. And Shavuos was only one day, so how do you know if you can't bring it on Shavuos? It was very crowded, it was very busy. What happens if you couldn't bring it the first day? So you get Tashlum and Kol Shiva. Now we use, today we have a remnant of that. We don't say Tachlan during the days of Tashlum after a holiday. So how do you I know? Had a, week, had a week later? Yeah, that's it, had a week. I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we don't say Tachlan for a week. That's right. Yeah, so Tashlum and Kol Shiva. Yeah. There's so, always a big uh, hubbub in, in Shul, whether it's the 13th or the 14th. Right, so there are different customs. Yeah. Um, sometimes people just don't know, they just don't, did look up the calendar. <laughs> but sometimes it has to do with the, the customs of the Shul aren't like written down so that everybody remembers from year to year. You know, or the, I was, um, um, Rabbi Friedman, they said Tachanan, uh, the end of um, Tishrei. Some do, some don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we never have, but I know, as a matter of fact, two or three years ago, and everybody went. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's not here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they're definitely different. Um, the, the interesting the thing is the, the Hasidish, Svardish places say less tachnan. They have a tradition that if there's any excuse, any yard site, any, they'll... they'll Rebbe's uh, released from jail. Yeah, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they, uh, uh, they'll eliminate it more. So those traditions will, will have more, uh, you know, more, uh, less tachnans. Uh, uh, there are shuls in Brooklyn where they pay the molim to daven there yeah. so that they uh, daven here. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> then you won't have the... Uh, um, what's happened here is that there's multiple minyanim in the shul, and so then has become the question, well, if you have a moil or a bris in one of the minyanim, does it count for, what about if it's in a different building, if it's in the kolol, if it's in, and that's always leads to interesting discussions. So. But I think at one point in time it said, if there's a bris in any of the minyanim, don't, but, uh, but I'm not sure. So there's two things. One is if the bris is here, the other is if the moil is here. In other words, like Rabbi Yasser sometimes goes to travels to other communities and he's here for chakras. 
any rate, so the year of Tashlum and all seven. Tamalom Rakagamatsu Kagashwus Bakagasukos. Makish Kagashwus Kagamatsus. And it's my Kagamatsus. Now, Kagamatsus is a week long holiday. You can bring the Pesach offering all seven days, Kol Shiva. So, um, the festival, like the Chagigo offering, not the Pesach offering. The, so just oh, yeah. like you can bring the Chagigo, all seven, Av also on Shavuos, which is only a one-day holiday, Yeshlo Tashlum and Kol Shiva. You can bring all seven. Uh, yeah. So the Morris says, well, once you're at it, why compare to Pesach? Look at Sukkot. Sukkot, you get eight days. The Morris says, well, you can't bring a proof because Shmini Regal Bifneyatzmahu. Sukkot is it's not really Sukkot, it's Shmini Atzeres. So, maybe the eighth day of Sukkot is a holiday by itself for certain things. That's for the famous Pazer Kazav. Those are the six things that Shmini Atzeres is different than Sukkot. It has its own. Uh, that's an acronym? That's an acronym, yeah. Oh, that's uh, out here. Yeah, Rashi brings it. Pius is that they had a separate lottery for the Kohanim. Uh, the uh, Zion was, you say, Zman, uh, you make a new Shech Yanu. The Reish was, um, it's not called Sukkot, it's called Shmini Yatzeris. Uh, the Kuf was the Korbanos. Shin was um, Shir, thank you, the Song of the Levium. And the Beis was Bracha. Okay. So uh, and then there was uh, the the bracha of the king. So uh, basically, there's six things. The, the real Shmini Atzeres is part of Sukkot. It's the end. It's the goodbye party for Sukkot. It's connected to it, but in some ways different. So in those ways, it's different. But when it comes to bringing the Sukkot Karbanos, everybody says while you're up, you could still bring Tashlumen to Rishonu. The Tanan, Mishlo Chag B'yantav Rishon. If you didn't bring the Chagiga on the first day, Shalchag, Koges Kol Rev B'yantav Achman Shalchag. So the bottom line is, on Sukkot, you have up to eight days to bring Chagiga. On, 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 on uh, Pesach, you only have seven. So we want to know how many days you get for Shavuos. So why do we compare it to the seven days of, of Pesach compared to the eight days of Sukkot? So a famous rule, Tfasta Meruva Lo Tfasta. Tafasta you, you, you only know for sure the minimum. In other words, we can only guess. We know it's at least seven days. We can't be sure that it's compared. So why does the Torah write it by Kagosukos? And then we'll, we'll leave this last Ella for tomorrow. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Be well.